All right, everybody, welcome back. Best of the other day. Returning guest, Dr. Yuri Feito. If you have not listened to our last podcast, go back and listen to that one. Um, I know you're busy, but we were just discussing you are now working from home like most other people. So, yes, I am. <laughs> about it, too. <laughs> um, but I'm excited to talk because you and I actually started the conversation about the topic for today months ago. And I've been kind of just like, waiting for this to get published so that we could discuss it. And uh, what I want to dive into today is the recent study of yours that was published. Um, and again, we're talking about injury rates. Uh, and so if anybody wants to search it, um, you could find it in BMJ Open Sport uh, and Exercise Medicine. And the title is Breaking the Myths of Competition, a Cross-Sectional Analysis of Injury Injuries Amongst CrossFit Trained Participants. And uh, because we all know this is a discussion is just like, CrossFit's dangerous. People get hurt doing CrossFit. Um, and that is anecdotal, that statement at best, right? We all know that if we're inside an affiliate, like entry rates are incredibly low. Mm -hmm. um, but it's cool to see a study done on this that we could reference. Like as, as a professional, as a gym owner, it's nice to have that in my back pocket. Be like, no, no, here you go. Like this is, you can read through this and it'll tell you what you want to know. So, um, so give us a little bit of the background of the study so that people have context. Yeah, so, so this is a, uh, a continuation of our previous work, right? We talked a little bit about, uh, I guess it was back in November last mm -hmm. year. Um, you know, we talked about this 3,000 uh, number. You know, we, we surveyed about 3,000 people. We, we kind of um, had this um, survey going on for four different years. So I think we, we ended up sampling from 2013 to 2017. And, and the reason that we stopped in 17 is because um, you know, the, the games, the CrossFit Open kind of changed a little bit, right? How people were um, sort of qualifying and that sort of thing. And, and that would make that comparison a little bit off. Um, and we used the, the Open as our sort of, um, you know, the, the survey would go out. Um, we use social media and kind of just, you know, anything that we could get our hands on, we kind of just share with the, with the community. Mm -hmm. um, and we, we sort of use the, the starting of the Open as our sort of uh, our end time or end date um, to, to look at the, the surveys. And, uh, and again, this is a continuation of a previous work. We, we really just um, surveyed everybody in the community who wanted to take this, the, uh, the survey. We asked a bunch of questions about uh, their participation, how often they train, um, you know, who they were from a demographic standpoint, um, really just getting an idea of who the athletes were. Um, and then we, we send out the survey every year for four consecutive years. And, and we build up a relatively large uh, sample size, you know, like I said, overall, the, the total number of participants is over 3000. Um, yeah, I think 3049 is the exact number, I believe. Yeah. Um, yep. and till, till today, you know, still that's, it's the largest, um, cross-sectional study in, in, in the literature. So, um, you know, we could talk about the limitations of a cross-sectional study in this, in this type of design. And, and yeah, so I, I think that's a great place to start. So A, so let's start first. What is a, what is, for those that have no background in any of this, what is a cross-sectional analysis? Yeah, so cross-sectional study, we're really just looking at one point in time, right? So we send out a questionnaire and we are asking you about one specific point in time, you know, whether it's today, tomorrow, and it's a set of the population. Um, unlike a longitudinal type of, of study where 
I could follow you over a period of time. So if, you know, which is typically the, the, the real answer, the real way to answer this question would be that, right? So I, I have you um, start a training program day one and I follow you for 365 days. Uh, that would be a longitudinal design. And at the end of the year, I measure the number of injuries you've had over that past year. That ultimately is, you know, the, the most accurate way, if you will, uh, to measure those injuries. But it, obviously you could imagine, you know, it's hard to keep somebody for 365 days think about answering surveys almost every day uh, to make sure that you know we, we're keeping up with what you're doing and then trying to keep people involved and engaged for 365 days or, or two years three years four years is is it's almost impossible to do so so that was the follow-on question is like if that's the ideal uh, you know and, and you basically just answer the question but the scope of a study of that magnitude do you i mean could it be done it could be done. It would, it would, it would require um, a lot of affiliates that commit to the project. Okay. And, and, it, and it has to come from the affiliates, right? Because me as a, an outsider, as a, as a researcher, yeah, I could get access to the populations, but um, you know, having the affiliate buy-in and say, hey, we're going to do this as an affiliate. We're going to do this together. And if you have two, three, four, five, ten affiliates that each have 100 or 200 people, all of a sudden you got 2000 people that you could follow over a period of time. That would be the best way to do it. Um, but again, that requires time, not only for, from, from you as the affiliate owner or, or coach, but also from the participant to be able to do that every day or every week. Uh, and you know, there's, there's a loss to follow up where people just kind of fall off the bandwagon and yeah. things. So it's just time consuming. It's hard to do. You know, when you look at some of these epidemiological studies, um, and again, epidemiology being the science of populations, right? Um, just looking at population. Um, multiple, you know, they have years of, of surveillance, years of data, and they have two, three, four million people that they've surveyed over time. But they're also, their attrition rate is 50%. You know, so yeah. they start with 6 million and they finish with 2 million uh, or, or something to that effect. So again, that's, you know, that's, and, and you know, it requires time. It requires time from the affiliate owner, it requires time from the participant, it requires time from the researcher, it requires money. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just time consuming and, and cumbersome. So the, the alternative, if you will, is to, to do this cross-sectional type of study where we just take a sort of a snapshot of what yeah. the population looks like. Um, in this case, we have 3,000 people, again, it's a very small percentage of mm -hmm. the people around the world that are um, doing CrossFit, right? But it gives us some, something to start with and, and, and continue to look at. Have you tried to figure out roughly what percentage of the overall CrossFit community this could potentially be? I would say, honestly, if, if and I'm honestly just, I'm going to do math real quick here. If, if we have, you know, let's say that there's 15,000 affiliates, right, mm -hmm. around the world, and every affiliate, let's just say that has 100 people, right? A hundred members. Mm -hmm. And you know, some may have more, some may have less. Yeah. Just throwing a number. That's 1.5 million um, CrossFit participants, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm talking about people that go on a regular basis, not yeah, yeah, regular. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's the 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 general um, pop. And then if you have three thousand out of that one point five mil, you know, you're talking about point two percent. Point two percent. Okay. 
and again, you know, this is rough calculation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, nobody's going to hold us to that. But I was, I was just genuinely curious, like roughly what that might look like. I don't think 1.5 million is off. Uh, that's that's a probably a fair number if you think about just like, I mean, if you think about it, they had what was it two years ago? They had almost half a million people did the open, like over 400,000. You know, so I don't think it's far fetched to say it's three times that many people are actually in affiliates doing it. Probably it's actually probably higher to be honest with you. Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, with this within, you know, if, if I may, and, you know, having this opportunity, if there are any affiliates out there who are listening, um, you know, that really want to follow their athletes and, and do that and put it into, into practice. And, you know, they're, they're willing to really, you know, help out with the data collection and, and really just nothing else, you know, there's, there's really nothing to do other than sharing this survey on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. I would love to be able to bring in, you know, multiple affiliates and, and have, you know, three or four, 10, 15, 20 affiliates around the country or the world for that matter, and then follow a hundred people in, you know, if, even if we have, you know, 3000 more, mm-hmm. it's 3000 different than, than the sample that we have. So yeah. again, I, it's, it's a call out to any affiliate owner out there who wants to do a little bit of research within their, their affiliate and, and really help us with the answer, answering the question. What would, for you, is, as far as conducting the study, what would be an adequate, adequate number of people that you would need to get? Like, what's the number you're just like, hey, this, this makes the study worthwhile? Yeah, I mean, that's a, a hard question to answer because, you know, we would have to look at what, you know, you know from a statistical standpoint, we look at a power analysis, right? Depending on um, what are the, the variables that we're looking for, what are the changes, but um, if, if I could and, and really get a number, I would love to, you know, one of the things that I've tried to do over, over time is try to survey everybody who joins the, the open, you know, and, and have an opportunity oh, got to okay. survey the person, you know, cause if you have 500,000 people and every, every single person answers the question of, have you been injured over the last year and to what degree that's 500,000 people that we know that we could collect data on. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the more is better, um, especially for the analysis piece. But again, it takes time and it's, you know, it's limited, right? It's that cross-sectional one-time yeah. shot of, of the data. If we could get to those numbers, it would be amazing because I guess, again, the more people that we could incorporate into a study, um, the more understanding that we have about the real risk of, of, um, of injury. And, and again, obviously there's a caveat too to that, right? It's yeah. a survey data and, and humans, we as, as humans sometimes don't really tell the truth when we yeah. ask to survey, right? So it's all self-recall, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, self-report. Um, so that's going to be some, there's going to be some limitations there, but nonetheless is the best we got. So, so we, we try to, we try to minimize some of those biases and uh, yeah. limitations. Well, I don't, I don't have his ear, but if I ever do get Eric's ear, the new boss, I'm happy to pitch that idea. And and so I, and I don't actually think it would be that far fetched because I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a data and analytics guy. Like, I mean, there's gotta be, I would imagine based on limited conversations I've been involved with, like that they're going to have an app that's going to come out at some point. And I don't, and I can't imagine that it would be hard to integrate something that would resemble a questionnaire into an app that I don't know, I don't know, a couple million people are probably going to use. So, which again, 
would make sense because it would be beneficial because of what we already know, which is it's not dangerous, you know, so. But, and, and I think the, you know, so we know that, right? Exactly. But, but we're in a small, you know, think about. Yeah, it's in a silo. Yeah, exactly. There's 1.5 million people who do, you know, who are crossfitting based on the example that we just talked about. Very small percentage of the population. Who else in the fitness industry needs to hear that stuff? You know what I mean? Yeah. So the, the more studies, the more, the more data that we collect in that regard, um, the better informed that we're going to be. And, and, and to be honest, let's just say, let's just say that, let's just say that it was dangerous, mm-hmm. right? Let's find out why, if that's yeah. Case. So the data is still, whether it's one or the other, is still still valid. useful. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So if, if we know that back shoulders are, are the sites, the locations of most common injuries, then you as an affiliate owner need to think about, oh, well, maybe I need to warm up that deadlift better, or I need mm-hmm. to look at more, you know what I mean? So I don't see, a, um, and, and of course, maybe that's just my bias as, as, a, as a researcher, right? I don't see a drawback to not having that data, regardless whether it's beneficial or not. No, I agree with you. As a trainer, as an affiliate owner, or just as anybody that it would be looking to progress, whether it be in the business or as a professional, it, it would not look at that data and, and not be able to find something useful out of it, whether it was just like, and again, let's just use your example, which is it came back with data that we didn't expect, which is like, okay, 50% of the people get injured, right? Okay, well, shit, well, why? And like, oh, well, we look at our programming and then we maybe we analyze that and we're like, okay, well, we maybe we shouldn't program deadlifts as an example. Right. You know, we know that's not happening, but again, it's just good information to have so that, you know, that I think about like we're in a heavy military town and then I would, I would, that would be useful to me having conversations with certain commands or like, Hey, CrossFit standards. And I'm like, no, it's not based on this. Stop referencing the damn champ study and all these other nonsense stuff. So I think that stuff is super useful. So now, so just to be clear, this is, so I want to talk a little bit about what, how this, how the study is, how the data is collected and the, what the limitations are of that. Right. So it is, it's a survey. Like I just send this out and you answer and you send it back. Yeah. Yeah. We, we actually, um, we don't need, you know, we just put it out on social media and we try to get uh, as many um, hits as we possibly can through Mm -hmm. social media uh, sharing mechanisms, you know, whether it's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, um, and I really relied on, on other CrossFitters, you know, affiliate owners, coaches, and, you know, people that I knew um, in the industry and as well as, you know, um, within, uh, within the community and say, hey, man, just share this as much as you can. And, and you know, as, as just a single guy, you know, well, just me, uh, myself and, and our team, you know, a, a relatively small number of people. Um, to get four, th- 3,000 people over four years, you know, I was pretty happy with the numbers. Um, okay. So, I, but yes, you're right. It's, it's a survey. We put it online. Um, we have it open for, I think it ended up being open for about 12 weeks uh, towards the end of the year. So like November, um, November, early December, it was kind of when it came out and it was open all through the beginning of the year, right until the beginning of the open. Um, okay. The idea to shut down before the open because, you know, people are competing in the open. I don't, I don't want to collect that data. You know, if you yeah. got last year in the open, that's cool. I want to know that, but I don't want to, I don't want to mix the data. Um, so I needed to have a, uh, a time period 
uh, from that from that standpoint. And then from there, um, we basically just calculated everything um, in the standpoint of you know once we we know how many people have answered the survey, then we can start looking at uh, at those numbers and calculations. The one thing that's important to keep in mind is even though we have multiple people complete the survey multiple times, mm-hmm. um, we we assume that every individual was one person in the survey. So if you answer the question four times, or if mm-hmm. you answer the survey four times, you were four different individuals because it. it was anonymous. So I couldn't, I couldn't pinpoint which answer was yours. Got it. Uh, so we, we, we felt that just adding the numbers as an individual. So every single person was its own control, if you will. Got it. Um, that's kind of how we, how we calculated those numbers. Okay. Are there, so what's the difference between this one and the previous study? Yeah, that's a good question. So the previous study really looked at everybody who answered the question. Um, and the idea there was, you know, we just need to know what is the injury rate and, and what does that look like in the population and that one point in time. This one, it really talks about, really focuses on those individuals in the community who actually compete. So this is all about competitors. So everybody, every single individual who participated in the open, um, the regionals as they were last year or, you know, in the past. Sectionals. Well, uh, no, no, I'm sorry, not last year, but in the past. The, the okay, got it. Regionals. Got it. Um, so regionals and then the games. So if okay. you look at the data, um, how it's laid out, um, from the 3,000 participants that we had overall, um, about 50% of them, um, if you look at that figure one, um, 50, 51%, so 1551 actually uh, said that they competed um, in one of the you know, three um, areas, right? So the open regionals or the games. So in this particular study, we're really just focusing on those athletes who are competing on a regular basis. And, and the one thing with the competition is we kept it to CrossFit sanctioned events. So, you know, okay. we look at your local competitions or your affiliate competitions, just because we don't, you know, we don't really have access to that data, but I could yeah. look at what the open is. I could look at what regionals were and I could look at what the games are. Right. So, so we kept it at, you know, and we asked the question, have you competed at a CrossFit sanctioned event mm-hmm. such as the Open, Regionals, and the Games? So a very, very specific question. Yeah. Um, now, there's and- an obvious delineation there, which I think anybody who's into CrossFit, like, gets it, right? So there's a significant difference between the mass group of people that, that compete and the Open versus everybody that makes it to the next level. Um, sure. You know, so I'm sure there's going to be some criticism about like, is that competing or are they just doing a workout on a Friday, which I don't know if that's relevant or not, but you know, the, I, I, you know, the, the level of intensity goes up. So I don't know if that, you know, like, I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud as I'm, as we're kind of talking through it. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a really good point, right? So the, the, for us, that was kind of the outcome variable, but one of the things that we looked at was, you know. Um, we really were interested in looking at the the number of sessions per week that you participated in. Yeah. Uh, so do less than three, three to five, five more than five sessions per week, and that kind of helped balance a little bit of that, right? So got it. Going to be a discrepancy between 
me just participating in the open for the hell of it because I'm, you know, sort of doing it, you know, with everybody else in my community. And then I'm going to do the cookout at the end. Got it. This, you know, some elite level athlete who's really trying to get to the game. So, um, you know, that, that separates people a little bit more. So yeah. it's not just competition was the, the first level of, of definition, if you will. And yeah, you have to have we some looking, sort of entry point to delineate, okay, this is the population that we're studying. Yeah. Right, right, right. So we need to narrow it down. And, you know, so we went from 3,000 to 1,500. And then from those 1,500, we looked at injured, not injured in the open, injured, not injured, you know, if, if you made it to regionals, and then injured, not injured if you made it to the games. And that's kind of what that um, figure won in the, in the article. And, um, and, and I'll tell you this, you know, I'll share this with, you, with uh, everybody later. But if anybody just wants to get a copy of it, they could email me, you know, hit me up in social media, I'm happy to share it. So um, you don't have to go out search for it or anything like mm -hmm. that. I'm happy to share with anybody. So, okay. You know, yeah. If you look at table one, if you know, just you and I having a discussion here. If you look at table one on that page four, you can see how you know competition is one level of 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 um, sort of description, and you can see how there's you know it's divided into age group, you know, male female training yep. experience based on years, um, participation days per week, workouts per day. Uh, workouts per week I'm sorry and then you know do they work out a training affiliate so that's kind of the 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 big all the comparisons but the starting point the delineation what we were looking at is the people that actually competed got it is there something else of this nature out there like from us from a um uh has anybody else done a similar study like this there are there are uh few studies that have looked at um, stuff like this, um, they're much smaller sample size. I mean, you're talking about 100, 150 people okay. um, in a, whether it's one gym or, or something like that. There's a, there's a group out uh, from Brazil that have something similar um, that looked at, I think they looked at 10 athletes and they follow them over a period of time. I think they're kind of a team okay. and they follow for like six months or something like that. So there are several other studies that have done, um, you know, something like this. Um, but again, this is, you know, the one thing about this particular study that makes it different is, you know, the number, the sheer number of people that participated over a period of time. And the fact that we have constant, you know, um, consecutive data over four years. Yeah. Um, so it gives us that sort of, um, you know, overall picture. Okay. And then I, I just, I always think this one is worth just rehashing. So the difference between uh, injury rate and, and, and injury incidence, because this is one that people get like, even I do, I still always get confused by it. But um, yeah, so think of um, incidence is the number of new cases. So the incidence is really just a, a percentage, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, so it's percent of people that are injured. Um, you know, in the period of time. So mm -hmm. how many new injuries do we have um, in, in the overall? So um, if you look at that injury incidence data right there on page five, we say, you know, um, 318 respondents, so people who answered the, the survey, reported a single injury while 183 of 20% reported multiple injuries. So an injury, in, injury incidence is a percentage of people from the total sample. Got it. The injury rate, when we talk about rate, we, have a, we talk about time. Um, and then in this case, we talked about 
thousand training hours. And, and that's really the only way that we can compare the data with other studies mm -hmm. when we, when we put it in, in reference and, and the reference being a thousand training hours. So got it. Yeah. We could have 30% incidents, right? Where 30% of the people who CrossFit get injured, but your injury rate is only, I don't know, in this case, you know, about one and a half, two injuries per 1000 hours. And the reason for that is, you know, if you are an elite level athlete and you're doing five workouts a day, you have five different time periods in which you could potentially get injured mm -hmm. compared to me that I only come for a five, 45 minute session yeah. one time. So, you know, so that's, that's one, those some of the ways that we try to kind of quantify and compare and sort of put everybody into the same group so that we can make comparisons and, and make everybody quote unquote equal. So that a, factors in uh, training volume. Is that a safe way to say that? Okay. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. Which um, ultimately, go ahead. We, we know that impacts the potential for injury, right? Correct. Well, at least I think. So, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, the oh man i just lost my page um so in this uh so what like you don't have to go through the full questionnaire but like typically what kind of questions are you asking in the in the in the questionnaire yeah so it was you know basically we we asked a, a series of basic demographic questions right so obviously who you are age uh sex or or we 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 looked at a binary uh, variables. So we didn't really ask gender. We, we looked at male, female, um, and, and just for really for simplicity, not to be, you know, exclusive, just yeah. for simplicity variable itself. Um, so, uh, we looked at just that we looked at training intensity. So not intensity, but, um, how often, uh, mm -hmm. so duration of training, how long they've been, um, doing CrossFit, uh, overall. And then we asked them, you know, how, where, you know, have they been injured? Yes or no. That have they had one injury, multiple injuries? Where have they um, experienced an injury? Um, what kind of injury they experience? You know, we we actually have a very um, specific definition of what an injury um, was. So it was so that's where I, yeah, that was my next question actually. So what qualifies as an injury? Like if I tear my hands on doing pull ups, is that an injury? Not only it was it was only an injury if it cost you to stop your training program. And any duration. That, any duration and and it costs you to seek medical um, medical advice. Got it. Healthcare professional, something like that. And we have to be very, very specific, right? People were like, Oh, well, that's not really an you know, what happened to somebody who like you know, sprains an ankle, twisted ankle in the box, and you know they have to be out for a day or so, and but they come back the next day. Well, I mean, we could we could slice this however we want, right? But with something like this, we, we have to make sure that we have something very specific, um, and that's one of the the issues when looking at injury studies is that a lot of times you don't really have a a definite response to what is an injury, you know. Well, to be fair to you, I mean that's a I don't know that you could make it any, I mean, I'm sure you could, but like, that's pretty broad, right? I'm trying to think of like, I mean, I've had to stop training because I had like a tweak in my neck or something like that. And then I go get it fixed and I'm, it's not debilitating. It's not permanent, but it would fall in the category of injury because I was out for a day because like I can't turn my head or something like that. But 
Um, you know, so again, to be fair, that's a pretty broad definition for injury. It, it is. It absolutely is. And, you know, and, and we, we kind of try to make it narrow yet broad at the same time because you can't put everybody into one single box, right? Mm-hmm. So um, it was hard to, to really design the study with like, oh, this is the only strict definition that we want to use. So, yeah. uh, you know, we took a chance. You could call that a limitation as well. Uh, but I think we, you know, it's, I think we did a good job with, with what it is and, and how it, it um, you know, how people answer and responded to the survey. So, uh, so we looked at that. We also, you know, we looked at where have you been injured? You know, is it the shoulder? Was it the back? Is it the head, the ear? And basically it was a list of body parts. Um, and then we asked people, you know, what kind of injury was there? Uh, so not only did we want to know, you know, the numbers and the quantitative piece, but we also wanted to know the qualitative piece, right? Like you said, oh, well, I just tweaked my neck. Well, that, that doesn't mean that, you know, you, you, you broke your neck, right? Mm-hmm. You just kind of had a little bit of a pinch. So um, there were some, we actually had to go through some of the answers um, because we weren't really sure uh, what some of those, you know, when people say, yes, I got injured. We, we actually went to those blank boxes and said, okay, what kind of injuries did they have? Yeah. Um, and if they didn't, you know, if they didn't, whatever the description of an injury was, didn't really f- kind of fit what we were looking for, that data, the entire data set, that entire individual was removed from the survey just to, to you know, to, to keep from any kind of ambiguity, right? We want to make Got sure it. that everybody is answering the questions the same way to yeah. be able to have an accurate response okay and then so i think anybody's listening probably has a pretty good idea of the study what it entails and who we're looking for so now i you know like is there before we kind of talk about the findings is there anything else that's relevant as far as this study goes that we haven't touched on yet no i think that pretty much sums it up i think the the most important piece is is we we looked at people who were competing um got it trying to understand um, what is the likelihood of, of them, you know, getting injured over time? So my assumption would be that it would be higher having been, having been an athlete myself, you know, cause Jay likes to make fun of me, but having (laughs) played, having played college basketball, the, the it's a hundred percent, everybody gets injured. Like at some point, like I don't know anybody that plays at that level that has not missed practice game or whatever due to some sort of injury. I'm sure they're out there, but they're definitely uh, very rare. So what, what were the findings when you guys start like sparsing this out? Yeah. So we, we came, we went to the, you know, we went into this analysis in that same direction. Our hypothesis was that, um, those people who had greater volume would be more likely to get injured. Um, and we didn't find that at all. Um, it was actually the, the opposite. Uh, what we found was that the people who trained the least and the, the lower, the least amount from a day's standpoint, so less than three days in this example, in, in this particular uh, sample, were more likely to be injured compared to those who train three to five days a week or more than five days a week. So it seems like the, the kind of sort of a occasional athlete that comes into the box or competes again, this is competitors. Yeah. People who are competing, 
that only train three, three days a week or less than three days a week are more likely to get injured compared to the people who, who, um, who have greater volume of training. And it kind of makes sense though, too, because if you are competing, you have some level of expectation, right? For whether for yourself or your team or, or your box or whatever, and you're probably more likely to um, engage in, in greater volume. And you probably, I hate to say this, but you, you, you're a little bit, you're smarter with your training and, and I'm doing air quotes here. Yeah. You know you're I mean? probably talking about somebody who spends more time doing mobility, probably spends more time paying attention to their nutrition, who probably gets regular body work done, like all these things that would are generally associated with somebody who's taking their training a little bit more seriously. And that right there, that's, that's the key right there. So you have those people who are spending a little bit more time doing the, the non-traditional strength, high power type of, uh, of work. Um, and, and in that regard, we, we see some of this stuff that, you know, um, it's, it does help. It, it, it really is protective. And now, there, was there a pretty hard line at the three times? Like, is it, is it pretty obvious if when you're looking at the data, you're like, damn, three times or less, like there's a significant difference here. Yeah, absolutely. If you look at, um, if you're looking at the uh, article, I look at figure number two. Um, I think that gives you uh, a pretty pretty good look at what that looks like. Right. So you see that both male and, and this was, it was irrespective. I mean, like four. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if you look at one, right. So one, if you look, you know, anybody looking at this figure uh, or later on, kind of just understanding that little, that figure two, um, a little bit one is, you know, injury, mm -hmm. right. So anything that falls below that one line is, will be, consider quote unquote protective. So okay. who is less than one and this, these are ratios, right? So these are um, just um, um, ratios, incident ratios. So, so anything less than one is, is indicative of being protective. Mm -hmm. Everything above one is indicative of being higher risk. Um, so okay. you could see there that for the either, whether that you're competing or non-competing, Right. Mm -hmm. So remember, we have this binary variable comp yep. versus non-competitors. Um, you could see that whether you're competing or not, not competing, less than three days of, of training seems to be much more um, conducive to injury compared to three to five or more than five days. Yeah. So for anybody who's not, who's not going to look this up. So there is basically imagine looking at the, um, the power graph from the level one, right? So this is not a power graph, right? But imagine that graph. So we got an X and Y axis. And then on the Y axis, you have, this is incident rate. And then on the X axis, you have male, female, and then you have uh, male, female, and then it's broken down into basically two pieces, non-competitor and then competitor. And then with each one of those groups, it's got less than three, three to five, and then greater than five. And it's pretty obvious when you look at less than three, the incidence rate is very obviously higher in all four categories that you're looking at. Um, Maybe I'll, what I'll do is uh, I'll post some of these figures on, uh, on my Instagram and okay. could, you know, I'll link it up to, to your account and maybe we could do something. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, it'd be good to want to do that as well. We could do that too. So, uh, yeah, but it's pretty obvious just looking at it. I mean, it's, it's, 
when you're first looking, if you don't look at a lot of graphs, you're like, I don't know what I'm looking at. But like once you kind of understand it, it's very, very obvious that less than three times a week, there's significantly higher uh, incidence of uh, incidence rate of injury. You know, and people were looking like, oh, well, why does that even matter? You know, but for me, as, as a researcher trying to, you know, impact the community, you know, I could go back and, you know, you made a point about this before, you know, I could go back to an affiliate owner and say, hey, you know, when you look at your membership and you look at those people who are coming in, maybe these are the people that you might want to pay a little bit more attention to or try to encourage them to come more often for this one particular reason. You know, yeah. um, or I, I mean, I think of it almost a little bit more binary, which is if I am offering an option of lower attendance that would lead to a higher rate of injury, maybe I just yeah. stop doing that at all. Like we just did that. I have no memberships other than unlimited anymore. I thought about really? it like, yeah, I thought about it a couple of different ways. One of which was why, you know, if I truly believe in what it is that we're doing, why would I limit somebody's attendance? right? That's just stupid. And you know, some people are like, well, it's money. And I'm like, okay, are are we really going to split hairs about 30 bucks? Maybe we are, maybe we're not, but that's my decision to make as a business. And no, I'm not. I want people to be in here five days a week and we can scale appropriately. But now that I'm looking at this, it it does beg the question, why would you even tee up that scenario? Right. I I didn't want to say that way because I'm not a business owner, right? I'm not. (laughs) I'll say it. (laughs) I'm a, I'm, I'm a researcher and, you know, I can't tell how to run your box, but hundred percent, that's, that's, that was exactly my, my, my thought process is here is like, if you are a business owner, you shouldn't have, you know, less a three day a week, uh, memberships or less than three days, you know, you shouldn't have the fracti- that kind of the fraction of, of memberships. You should have memberships that are at least four days a week. Mm-hmm. Cause that at least three to five seems yeah. to be, um, the, the magic number. And again, even if you just look at the non-competitors. Yeah, it's this, I mean, it's, it's virtually the same. Vers, virtually the same. The only yeah. thing difference is, and the competitors, if you look at the competitors, more than five, those rates are way lower. Which is than, crazy if you think about it. Yeah. But, but those, you know, those guys and girls are doing the extra mobility work. They're taking care of their bodies. They're taking care of their nutrition. They're taking care of every single, um, you know, weight that they're lifting. They know exactly what's happening, you know? So, it, so, and I mean, there's, there's, there is something to be said for like, they're just tougher. Like, I, you know, like you, you, the, the body starts to adapt and it becomes, you know, I think it was Ripito's thing. He's just like, you know, yeah. strong people are harder to kill. And it's like, well, they're probably harder to injure as well. So, so yeah, it's interesting. The uh, yeah, I mean, it's it, it it is worth a discussion because, and I know people want to offer, they want to cast as broad as net as possible, and this is a, a business discussion. But like knowing this and looking at this, and again, we know that it has limitations, but it it's still valid to, to prompt a conversation. And that conversation is maybe you shouldn't do that anymore. Maybe, and I think about this from a practical standpoint, like having owned an affiliate for ten years, the people that are not on unlimited that fall in these really limited memberships. Cause we used to have two times. We used to have eight member like years ago. Um, they're a nightmare, right? They are a nightmare customer. And you like, just, Hey, it's, it's a tough pill to swallow, particularly depending on where your business is at. You say, well, I just need all these people. And it's like, or you could just put all of your focus on the people that are great to you and good for your business and, and all of those things. And you're going to deal with less injuries. Just statistically speaking, you're going to deal with less injuries. Yeah. 
so and, and again, I mean, I think, and not because of what what the study is, and it's our study or whatever, but I think the data is worth looking at as an affiliate owner. You know, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, oh wow, I maybe I should change my my membership model or sort of my plan or whatever pricing plan, whatever. I, I, again, I don't want to be, I don't want to get into anybody's business model. But. Well, but I mean, they can price it whatever they want, right? So, like, absent absent the discussion about like what is the dollar figure, the the discussion is valid because it. What we should be again, what we should be talking about is value, right? If I'm going to be offering the best value, then that should entail the least possibility for somebody to get injured, which is like, I'm not going to limit your attendance because the likelihood of you getting injured in some of these instances is almost double. Yeah. And, and even, and, and it's, you know, you bring up a good point, depending on where you are. If I, if I can take you to figure three, figure three, it's going to blow your mind. And I think this is where, where affiliate. We're looking at a B here. You're looking at a B a, being non-competitors. So the, the difference with this graph is it's exactly the same. Y-axis is incidence rate per 1,000 hours uh, of training. The um, X-axis will be non-competitors versus competitors. A is non-competitors, B is competitors. But within that X-axis, you have- Age, so that is? Yeah, so it's okay. age less than 25, 25 to 29, and then subdivided into less than three days per week, three to five, more than five days a week. And just look at that 30 to 34 and 35 to 39 age group and the non-competitor competitor category. Look at those injury rates. Well, it's very similar if you go to eat, well, the competitor actually goes up in the older age, but the, uh, but yeah, this one is really high. So, um, so we, if you had a pretty good picture in your mind of the previous graph, imagine that graph, just basically taking them and now you split them up and now I have them on two separate graphs, but now I've delineated for age. Um, and it's, the, but it's the same thing. It's still the less than three is significantly in, uh, yeah, in virtually the only one that's different is the only one that's not is that 25 to 29. Or it's like not really any statistically different. Yeah, and uh, you could say that those are younger, you know, younger yeah. participants. And well, it's not different in the non-competitor. Let me be more specific. In the non-competitor, which is all, which is every affiliate, right? Yep. In the non-competitor graph, ages twenty-five to twenty-nine, there's virtually no change in injury yep. uh, and incidence rate. But the uh, but all the other ones, I mean, it's glaringly obvious, specifically in that age, which is quite frankly, like the bulk of your demographic, 30 to 34. Yeah. So again, you know, again, I'm not, you know, I'm a researcher, you know, I'm not, I'm yeah. not in the business, right. But, but I think it's definitely, you know, maybe, you know, you guys want to have a discussion about this in the future is, you know, what does this mean for an affiliate owner? You know, how do you price out those membership options or what kind of membership options do you provide in order to limit some of this stuff? Well, it's, a, it's just, it's an interesting, it's a different lens to have the, that whole, that conversation through, which is, uh, are we, is this, are we solely talking about dollars and cents? Or are we talking about what's in the best interest of the client, which is if we're going to have about best interest of the client, well, then we shouldn't offer anything that's less than three times a week, which is basically unlimited. I don't know anybody that offers anything between the three and unlimited. I don't know anybody that does four. Like if at that point it's just like, just come every day. Yeah. Um, but that, I mean, what is that? Almost three times higher. Yeah. yeah so three hundred percent increase in injury. <laughs> you know what I mean? And 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 again, there's you know we could talk about 
the limitations of the study and what, you know, we could, we could really slice it and it's not a perfect study by any means. Um, but you know, it's the data that we have, you know, so. Uh, well, I mean, I, yeah, I would agree, but I would also say again, anecdotally, my experience would match that. And I, I would probably only become more and more accurate the, the deeper we dive into that. Well, yeah, because if I, think, the, I mean, if you just think practically, who are these people? They're the people that are quasi interested that show up sporadically that are not there on a regular basis, getting all of the work in. Um, and they're the people again, that are your, for lack of better terms, they're your problem children in class. Like they don't know what's going on They're They don't listen. Um, you know? Yeah. That's yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I think, you know, from a standpoint of, of, you know, for you guys as, as affiliate owners, I think it's important. I think it's good. I think it's good data and um, it could be useful, which is, which is ultimately what, what we as researchers really want, right? We could do all this stuff all day, but if nobody reads it, nobody looks at it, nobody applies it, then yeah, point. I mean, these are the, for every single one of these in both the, I mean, the only one that's not that way. And again, it's probably just cause they're young is 25 yep. to 29. You know, you're basically invincible on that, that age. <laughs> and I think there must have been, and I actually, if you go back, I have to go back to the numbers, but uh, there may be some number issues that where there was just a smaller percentage or of the general population. But again, um, like All if right. you got, uh, I'll take that back. They were actually pretty... Yeah, it's about 500. Yeah, I'll take that back. No, yeah, I mean, they're just... Um, it's about the same. What about the same? Yeah, resilient. They're more resilient in the, you know, from an injury standpoint. Again, it's not a perfect study, but mm -hmm. it gives us some data to look at and, and, and have these this, this type of conversations, right? Yeah, no, I mean, it's just interesting, right? It's just something to consider. And I think it's, as an affiliate owner, it's worth looking at. Like I said, we just changed ours and I don't offer anything other than unlimited for... for now... That was twofold. A, you and I had had this conversation already. I was like, oh, that makes sense. But B, I just thought about it from a, from a service provider standpoint. Like, why would I limit the access to this thing that, I've, that I think is so valuable to people? I'm like, just give them one membership. And, and we've changed it, right? So you can still have a different, if somebody's like, well, you can't just have one membership. You can, and you can still have tiered pricing, but it can be based on length of agreement where, you know, like, you know, uh, a year or six or something like that. And you can still have a sliding scale for people who don't necessarily want to spend as much. But if you do it that way, it, you're actually pushing people towards lower injury rates because they're going to show up more frequently for longer durations. And again, this is in their best interest if we're talking about my ability to train them and keep them healthy. So it, it makes sense, not just from a standpoint of psychologically, but statistically speaking from a, from a standpoint of reducing the likelihood of them being injured. Injured, yeah, for sure. And if, if, you, you know, if you go back, if you go down to table two, Mm -hmm. um, and that table two, we, we, we try to do is sort of uh, what we call regression models, right? We, we sort of put in a bunch of variables into the model and try to identify which, which variable was the most significant in regards to uh, predicting injury. Okay. So model one is just kind of the, just the, the regular model. Don't look at that. Look at number, model number two. Model number two includes age, um, sex, again, this is a binary, male, female, BMI, um, training of the affiliate, yes or no, 
uh, and then competition. And you can see the 95% confidence intervals there. And mm -hmm. we use the 95% confidence intervals sort of as a, as, a, as a marker of what significance would be. And all of those numbers, um, every single one, age, male, BMI, training other affiliate, and the, uh, the competitors, you see the numbers, you know, the OR is the odds ratio. Okay. How likely are, are you to, to be injured? If the odds ratio falls within that 95% confidence interval, mm -hmm. so for example, age, that odds ratio is 0.9, okay. that falls within that 95% confidence interval, right? So 0.98 to one, it's a very small confidence yeah. interval, but that 0.9, it's right in the middle. So that tells us that it's not statistically significant. Okay. Um, so that kind of gives you um, sort of a, an idea of what that looked like. So if you have the odds ratio number mm -hmm. and the 95% confidence interval sort of splits one or includes one. Remember we talked one as the sort of the, the marker, right? Yep. Looking for. Um, so that tells you the level of significance. So model two gives you age, uh, female, male, female, BMI, training at an affiliate and competition. None of those are significant. Mm -hmm. If you look at model three, in model three, we added um, the length of participation. Okay. And we, we further divided that length of participation on purpose. So we, we looked at six months, 12 months, one to three years, and three to five years. So looking at how, um, you know, how often, not only how often do you train, but how long have you, have you been training? Mm -hmm. And it seems like, look at that six months, less than six months number. The odds ratio is above one. Right. Remember in those graphs, we talked about being above one, yep. having risk and the 95% confidence interval is all above one. So it does not include that one number. Got it. So it seems like six, less than six months of experience is the most significant factor for an individual to get injured. Which again prompts another discussion about, hey, what should be the protocol with which we bring people in and you know bring them into the fold? Like, what is your on ramp or foundations or whatever you're gonna? Are you is it PT first model or all these things? That that would be a, a totally separate interesting conversation if you could somehow collect data versus what pick three different intake processes. Is it PT first? Is it a twelve session foundation or is it directly to class? I mean, I would imagine we could probably make a guess, but it'd be worth looking at just to, again, as far as determining best practices so that people could maximize their time with clients. Um, that's really interesting. Yeah. I and mean, again, you know, it's, it's, it's available data, right? So I'm a researcher. I'm not, I don't have an affiliate, you know, so I'm not an affiliate owner, but um, this data really, my goal is to be able to, you know, inform the affiliate owners, what this data looks like, what, what 3,000 people answered. Of course, mm -hmm. if we take this survey and take another 3,000, it may very, very, may very well be different, mm -hmm. but I'm not sure how different it's going to be. I think, you know, I think length of participation or how long you, you, you come in into, you know, you're doing CrossFit before you jump into competition. Mm -hmm. I think there's something to be said there. Um, and I'm not sure that that's going to change regardless of the, of the population. And again, I, that's, that's a, I don't even know that that's even, I mean, it's relevant, but I don't know how relevant because of how, um, I don't want to say loose the definition of competition is, but we, in this, we've classified competition as you participated in the open, which most of us could agree that is not 
what we would consider a competitive CrossFitter. Like, you know, sure. again, yeah, now again, like we know what we have to have that. You have to have some line in the sand there. But uh, if we apply context to it, then right. it, yeah, then it, it's a different conversation. Right. In a, in a silo, right? If you just, it's just, yeah. look at what it is, then meh, it, it's who cares, right? Yeah. But, but it does have some level of implication when you, when you have the context of, hey, you know, what are you going to do with this brand new person that walks through your door and they're only going to come work out twice a week? Mm -hmm. And then they want to do your local competition is, you know, which is in two months. Yeah. I, this stuff, I think this stuff is super interesting because typically these conversations about how you bring athletes in to the gym uh, or what your membership structure looks like are not had with this information in mind. They're had solely from the from the from the standpoint of what is the what is the business portion of this. But the, I mean, the big takeaways that I see from this is, I mean, if you have people coming less than three times a week. Uh, I mean, they're, they're more likely to get injured. So it's worth discussing, should I even offer that anymore? And I would, and for most people, I would take a look, if you just look at all the people on your roster of active athletes, it's not a huge chunk of people that are on those memberships. It's like, what would be the financial loss of doing that versus the reward of just trying to get more of the other people. And then looking at it, it potentially just saying, should I revamp how I bring people in because the statistical significance of people getting injured happens in that first six months. And can I do something to hedge that in order to like make sure that number stays down as low as possible? I mean, that's the two big takeaways uh, yeah, that I see here. I, I don't, is there anything else that I missed on that? No, I mean, I think that's, that's where, you know, the, the, and again, we came into this, study with with the same thought process that mm -hmm. we, you know we originally discussed right the people who have the greatest amount of volume will be more likely to get injured and you know it, it turned out to be completely the opposite um which again if if we can inform affiliate owners as to what that means and then you know we could have the same conversation within the context of the data mm -hmm. what that looks like from a business standpoint i think that's the practicality that we as researchers really want our studies to to impact the community um again if we have more people you know we have half a million people that participate in the open then we could do exactly the same thing but instead of having you know 1500 in one group now we have 150,000. you know mm -hmm. that's that's much more um involved Hey, and, you, and the other thing that's in here that we didn't really discuss because we kind of <laughs> always leave these people out, but but the st the statistics are still the same. They're still relatively similar. Is the older population? So you're talking about fifty five, fifty to fifty five, or fifty five and older. These are the people that typically don't come in that frequently, and the injury rate there is higher. Like that. So I'm looking at that now. I'm like, if you have some people that are older, you, they definitely need to be in there more frequently. Yeah, maybe. And, and, you know, maybe they come in and their programming is significantly different, but maybe not, right? It, it depends on who they are, obviously. Yeah, exactly. Like scaling um, or whatever, that's totally different. But <laughs> Well, what is funny is that the, the competitors uh, uh, of 55 plus who come in less than th three times a week, injury rates are really high. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you know, it makes sense. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, I'm just like, <laughs> but we all know that one guy, right? <laughs> There's always that one guy that's <laughs> wants to be, you know, an athlete and just comes twice a week. Yeah. You know, oh, I, I'm, I've been an athlete all my life. I don't need to. 
<laughs> Slow down, Bob. Um, oh, this has been great, man. This is really, really good stuff. Uh, anything else uh, in here worth? I mean, I feel like we touched most of it. I think we can, you know, we could dive in and, and you know, dissect every, every little ounce of it. But I think um, those are the main points that I, I think um, the, you know, the affiliate owners and the listeners should, should really take away from this. Yeah. I'm happy to, to have discussions uh, with anybody and anyone who, you know, any, any comments, any feedback, yeah. love to hear it. Um, and again, what I'll do is I'll, um, maybe I'll put, I'll sort of pull these figures and okay. share them on, uh, on Instagram. People will take a look at with a link to the study or, um, if you guys want to do that on your end, what, yeah. Cause what we can do is we can share them and what I'll, I can even put together a summary of just like the, you know, why this stuff would be relevant and what questions you should be asking. But I think this is super, super relevant. Um, and again, just, you know, there's nothing wrong with a good thought experiment. No, absolutely. I mean, again, and you know, to be clear, it's, it's not the, uh, uh, the end of the world, right? It's not the, the last study that, that we have to do is it's not perfect. It's got limitations just like every other study. Um, but again, informs, uh, in some way answers a question that, um, has been, has been limitedly study in the literature. So, yeah, you know, and, and if, if, you know, if you get this data and you apply it to your affiliate, that right there is, is, um, it's what we want as researchers. That's kind of what we seek. Um, yeah. From a standpoint of the application of, uh, of our, of our data and, and our studies. Well, listen, everybody, if you guys have questions about this one or the previous study, or you're interested in being involved in data collection with Yuri, the, I mean, I, he would, I don't, I don't think he's going to tell you no. So you can either reach out to us and we'll do the handoff. Um, just hit us up on Instagram, best hour of their day. And, uh, and we're, we're happy to do that handoff. Um, thanks, brother. This was awesome. I don't know how many other people want to nerd out on this stuff, but I think once you get past all the graphs and stuff, there's some really relevant information here for the affiliates. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for the time. I, I hope absolutely. that it's helpful for the affiliate owners and, and athletes out there, you know, and, and, and coaches, you know, I think most importantly, the coaches that are the, the first line of, uh, of any affiliate. So again, if I can help in any way, any, any affiliate out there that wants to track their, their injuries or um, want to do something like this and nerd out and some of this stuff, hit me up. I'm, I, I, uh, you know, I love to talk. Yeah, we'll do it. Well, listen, brother, I appreciate it. And I think, uh, I think this is good. And we'll just con uh, continue this conversation. Cool. Awesome. Stay right, safe. We'll, yeah, stay safe. We'll see you next time. Thanks again for listening to Best Hour of Their Day. If you haven't already, do us a favor, head over to the Apple Podcast app and leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, feedback for either Fern or myself, hit us up, besthouroftheirday at gmail.com or send us a DM over on Instagram at best hour of their day. Once again, we couldn't do this without the amazing community and you are a part of it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting best hour of their day.